Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Take that chapter in the Word of God, Nehemiah chapter 3. That's going to be, I think the word they like to use, that's going to be my text tonight. Nehemiah 3. And since I won't get through with it tonight, for sure, it's got 32 verses, I'll be in Nehemiah 3 again tomorrow night. And then Saturday, and I believe you said Saturday morning. Yes, sir. At 10. I like that idea. Uh, I'll be in Nehemiah 3. The whole meeting, all three services uh, in that chapter. It is a great chapter of Scripture. Yes, sir. I'd ask the preacher, and he's done so, to encourage some of you to be reading the chapter. And I appreciate that. See if I get an amen. It's not an easy chapter to read. <laughs> it is loaded with names. And uh, yet, yet, it is God's Word. Amen. It is without error. Amen. Nehemiah 3. Yes, sir. I find that Nehemiah is probably not the most studied book in the Bible. It's neglected a lot. Uh, actually, Nehemiah is paired with a book called Ezra. They are they're coupled. They're twins. Ezra and Nehemiah. Years and years ago, before our King James Bible existed, in the day of the Lord, there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. In the Septuagint, Ezra and Nehemiah are one book. Those scholars, LXX, 70 scholars, felt like they were that closely identified. Years later, a... a, a, a Bible teacher named Jerome translated the Old Testament into Latin. He also had Ezra and Nehemiah together as, as one unit. I'm just saying that to imply that uh, if, if our Bible were laid out in chronological order, which it isn't, and I'm not about to change it. <laughs> If it were laid out in chronological order, Ezra and Nehemiah would be near the end of the Bible. Not in the position. They'd be over there with uh, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi because they fit into the same time span. Oh, let me tell you what's happening. The Jews, the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, 
have been taken into captivity. How, how can I put that? They have been attacked and taken away as slaves by a country called Babylon, by a king named Nebuchadnezzar. <coughs> Seventy years they've been away from their homeland. Why would God let that happen to the Jews? I mean an amen. Because of their sins. Amen. Could I make an announcement? God does judge nations when they err from His will. Yes, sir. Seventy years. But at the end of that 70 years, just like Jeremiah prophesied, the Jews were released by a Persian king. So they got to go back home. Except they didn't all want to go back home. A whole nation was taken away. Only 50,000 chose to return 70 years later. I find that amazing. Why wouldn't the whole nation want to come back to Jerusalem? Hear me. Babylon, that's a picture of the world. If we're not careful, we'll get to liking the world way too good. I'll tell you what happened, Chuck. They got up there in Babylon and they began to learn that different language. The kids got in those schools. They got acclimated to that. When they told them they could go back home, they just didn't want to. It was inconvenient for them. Now, I, that's not what I'm preaching. I've got to stay on subject. I'll give you one verse. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Big man love the world. The love of the fathers. Not him. Yes, sir. They're just coming back. They came back originally. Um, I can't. I don't have time to go. They were taken away in three ways. They call them three deportations. 606 B.C., 597 B.C., and 586 B.C. Now get this. I think it's uncanny. They came back in three ways. Under Zerubbabel, under Ezra, and under Nehemiah. Amen. God knows man pretty good, don't you? Right. Amen. Amen. Only 50,000. When they got back to Judah, the place was a wreck. 70 years. I mean, when they were taken captive, Nebuchadnezzar tore the city up. Burned the temple. I, I mean, everything's chaos. And, uh, oh, I've got to tell you this. It doesn't deal with Nehemiah 3 yet, but I've got to tell you. As soon as they got back, they said, We're going to, hope I get an amen. We're going to rebuild the house of God. Amen. 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 Yes, they rebuilt God's house before they rebuilt their own homes. Amen. Right. Good idea. <laughs> yes, amen. Yes, sir. I got a suggestion. It'd be wise to always put God's house first. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Yes, sir. Amen. And, and, and then it's years later before Nehemiah comes with his troops. Well, that's not the right word. With the Jews that came with him 
add up to get about 50,000. The three returns. And uh, Nehemiah's not going to concentrate on the temple. It's finally been rebuilt. Oh, how the devil fought that announcement. The devil will always fight the building of the yes, church. Right. Right. Always. Nehemiah had a... Oh, I need to tell you how it happened. Amen. Nehemiah is not even a preacher. That's astounding. Not even a preacher. What's he doing in the Bible? I'm going to make an announcement. You can love God and be a businessman. You can love God and do many, many things. There are people that love God's side preachers. Amen. Y'all were scared to say amen. <laughs> Nehemiah said, I was the king's cupbearer. Yes, sir. I tell you what Nehemiah is, if you'll smile, he's a government employee. <laughs> I was the king's cupbearer. The kings back then wouldn't drink water, tea, or whatever it may have been, they wouldn't drink until somebody had tasted, tested. Kings didn't last long in those days. Assassinations. So if you got any sense at all, get somebody to taste your food for you. Drink your drink before you can Family, you're all right. Nehemiah was the king's cutback. But his brother, Hananiah, his brother has been in Jerusalem. And his brother comes back to Persia, Babylon, Persia, and says, Nehemiah said, Tell me about the homeland. What's going on? And then I said, You wouldn't believe it. Said it's in torn to shreds. Nothing is like it used to be. Now listen to me. And God burdened Nehemiah's heart. To go down there and do something. Amen. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't even smile when he was in the presence of the king. A very dangerous attitude. Yes. Yes. Burden for his home. Now I'm going to say this. I'm just sticking a little preaching in here as I tell the story. Somebody better get burdened for our country. Amen. And uh, Nehemiah prayed, Lord, let me make a difference in Jerusalem. Yes, sir. After that period of prayer, he's working on his job. He's in front of the king of Persia. <laughs> And the king, oh, oh, there is an unwritten rule. And in fact, it's really not all that unwritten. There is a rule. If you're the king's cupbearer, you must always appear pleasant and happy in front. He's not going to tolerate any sadness. There are ancient records of kings executing their cupbearers on the spot because they didn't smile. They weren't joyful. How's Nehemiah going to smile and act happy with what he just learned about the walls of Jerusalem, the wreck his cities? I'll tell you this about Nehemiah. Don't think he was a Baptist because he didn't know how to fake it. 
He's not going to stand up there in that pattern when his heart is torn asunder. What's wrong with you? said the king. Scared Nehemiah said, I was sore afraid. He said, it's my homeland. He said, it's all tore up. He said, I, and get this, if you'll talk with God about men, it'll be a whole lot easier to talk to men about God. God had touched that king's heart and the king said, I can tell you all tore up. I can tell you a burden. What can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? Rebuild your city. That's the king of Persia talking. Listen to this. Nehemiah said, I'd like a leave of absence. I want to go home. He was gone 12 years. 12 years. He said, number 10, said it's dangerous. 500 miles. Says it's dangerous going down there. I'd like an armed guard. He said, number three, when they get there, we've got no timber to rebuild the walls. Said, you own several forests. Said, I need some wood. The king gave him a leave of absence and the king gave him an armed guard and the king gave him all the wood he needed. I'm going to quote the verse. You have not told you ask not. God's hand is in the matter. Oh my, I'm taking too long. He finally gets down there in Nehemiah chapter 1. We've all in school with I bet you remembered somebody. Well, you remember that point, the midnight ride of Paul Revere? Don't nod your head like you do anyway. <laughs> One if by land, and two if by sea, the British are coming. In Nehemiah 1, there is the midnight ride of Nehemiah, God's man. He gets on a little beast and he surveys the walls, and they're worse than he imagined. They're so torn down, his little animal can't get across the gates. And he said, with God's help and by God's grace, hope I get one amen, we're going to rebuild these walls. We're going to rebuild these walls. That rebuilding of the walls is the story of Nehemiah chapter 3. It's where we'll be preaching tonight and tomorrow night and Saturday morning. Rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, it's a good night. That happened 2,600 years ago, and you're going to be preaching three nights about that. <laughs> oh, 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 listen to me. Listen to me real well. We better get busy building some walls. Amen. 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 Now, now, I'm, not talk I'm talking about every one of us who is saved Amen. needs to have some walls of protection around our lives. Amen. Why do I need a wall spiritually around my I'll tell you why. To keep the wrong people away from me. Amen. I'll let y'all in on a little secret. I preach faster when you say amen. <laughs> we need some walls so we can keep the right people at home. Keep them from wandering out there and getting tired. Need walls to protect from what's out there and walls to keep home. We love building walls. I tell you something about Dick and Baptist Church and what little I've seen is looking pretty good. But every church needs some walls. Every church. 
That's the story of these 32 verses. If you have read it, and I could tell a minute ago, a number of you were nodding that, that you have. Uh, you have learned. Keep your hand down. You have learned. That's my sister back there. That in the middle of all of those names, there surfaces, watch my fingers, ten gates around the wall. Preacher and Sister Tori got, got me some poster board today. I stopped and I, I had all this done at home and left it. <laughs> There's a rough map of the city of Jerusalem. I marked all those gates. Here. Sheep gate, fish gate, old gate, valley gate, dung gate, fountain gate. Water gate, horse gate, east gate, and then they didn't even translate this one. It's a Hebrew word, the gate Milka. That's ten. Uh, and I want to preach on those ten gates. What I want to do, if if, if it works out, if I can. Probably talk about three of them tonight. Three. The first three. May not get all three. Maybe two tonight. Then tomorrow night we'll get maybe three more and finish up Saturday morning. Well, all this morning's when we finish that. <laughs> I appreciate the smiles, folks. <laughs> Why would you study the gates of an ancient city? Listen to me careful. So far, this could be the most important thing I've said. Each one of those gates not only bears the name it has because of its function in Jerusalem. Each gate has a spiritual truth to apply Yes, amen. To the glory of God, with God's help, it won't have anything to do with me. We could leave here Saturday morning ten times better. Ten times better as believers if we would apply these truths in our lives. I've tried to memorize the gates, study it, and prepare it. And I think for a while, every day, I want to go through them and preach myself a little sermon on the sheep gate and the fish gate and the old gate and the valley gate and the dumb gate and the fountain gate and the water gate and the horse gate and the east gate and the myth gate. Each of them speaks to our heart. And of course, it is the nature of a revival meeting that folks that are here Thursday night might not be able to come back Friday night. And I understand that. But for those of you that are going to get it or get most of it, I will be asking you Saturday, which gate most spoke to your heart? Which gate did the Holy Ghost use to help you grow in the Lord? Sometimes somebody will have one, sometimes not, but 
That's a, it is amazing. Rebuilding the walls around the whole city. Oh, oh, did I tell you this? Everything they did, there was an enemy to try to fight. Some of the enemies are named Sanballat and Tobiah and Gershon, but some of them are not named at all. Any, announcement. Anything you try to do for God, the devil's going to fight. Amen. In Nehemiah 3, all those names, why all those names? I've counted them up and I think I'm pretty accurate. Give or take one, I'm saying. 42 different work crews involved in building the walls. Around 42 different work crews. King James Version right out of Nehemiah. Not the third chapter, but near it. Let's see if I get And the people had a mind to work. Amen. Okay, I've got to say that again on some more. Amen. <laughs> and the people had a mind to work. Amen. You know what will make a great difference? Probably already going on, but to a greater degree. At Beacon Baptist Church, if God will just give us a mind to work. Amen. Not be lazy. Not be shirkers. 42 workers. Nehemiah might not have been a preacher, will it get an amen, but he sure was a pretty good organizer. Amen. 42 works. <laughs> from rich people. I'm sorry, from rich people to poor people. Goldsmiths. And then common slaves. Common laborers. Involved. Aren't you glad at church? It don't matter if you're rich or poor. It don't. I ain't got well. All ground at the foot of the cross is level ground. I, I just had to say those things to get us ready to start. Are y'all okay? Amen. And I will tell you this, and, and you need to know it about me. I, when I preach, I've done it for years, I've got this little timer. I've been talking 16 minutes and 34 seconds so far. And you'd say, well, that's silly. Why would a preacher have a timer? You won't wonder that time we leave tonight. <laughs> You'll probably say, let's get new batteries. Please. I'm going to keep an eye. I don't want to keep you too long. I know. We've all got to work tomorrow. I get up early and write the website lesson. We've all got to work tomorrow. Verse 1. Chapter 3. Verse number 1. How many of you have got it? Raise your Bible. I got your Bible. Let's put your Bible up there. Let me see. Pretty well divided, pretty even throughout the controversy. Preacher, unless you stop me, and I'll stop if you say so. I took my verses and I here, here's my Bible. Up there. I got it. I got it open to Nehemiah 3. And uh, when I preach, I'm hard on Bibles. You'll cry, you'll sweat, you'll tap your Bible, and then pages come out. I used to use Schofields constantly. Love the Schofield Bibles. It's my favorite Bible in many, many ways. Uh, but, but they wouldn't last long when you was preaching. And they'll say, it's cost $50. Some of them more than that. 
And so I started getting that Bible. All right, let me see how you take it. Dollar Tree. That's King Dan Dollar Tree. My wife orders them for me a case at a time, 24 at a time, $24. You can't pay I got my Bible. But what I've done, if it's all right with y'all, I have taken my verses and enlarged them. Y'all ever heard of copy and paste? <laughs> and uh, I've got them on that right there. Is that okay if I do it like that? Heads are not in. I think I want to say this. It's not that $70 leather cover that makes your book a Bible. It's not that India ink. It's not that beautiful, beautiful mouth, thin paper. It's what it says. It's what it contains. It is. It is the Word of God. Alright, verse 1. Nehemiah 3. Verse 1, we've got to get started. Watch out for some gates. We are going to rebuild the gates. And, and you see, somebody's got to build that portion of the wall between the gates. For the work. Then somebody will work on the gate. And somebody will get the next section. 42 workers. Verse 1. Then Elijah, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they built it They Tell me what they did. They built it the what? Sheep gate. Sheep gate. Look, look, look at my mouth. The sheep gate is right, right there. It's the northeastern corner of Jerusalem called the sheep gate. Why in the world is it called the sheep gate? Ah, because that's where they brought in all the little lambs that were going to the temple to be sacrificed. Dozens, man, hundreds. In a week's time, thousands of lambs would go through that. They'd go to holding pens and the priests would carefully inspect them. And if they were without fault or blemish, the little lamb would be Sacrificed, his little throat would be slit. He would bleed out. Preacher, that sounds mighty cruel. An innocent lamb dying for the sins of an old, old wretched Jew. That's what's going on. The sheep. Can, and so they call it the sheep. For that reason. And so, it looks like they're building the seat that, look, they sanctified it. I'm in mean, verse 1. They set up the doors of it, even to the tower of Miah. They sanctified it under the tower of Hananiah. Oh, this is a perfect place. The tower of Miah. Miah means a hundred, probably a hundred feet on down. And then, uh, right there at the end of the tower of Hananiah. This chapter is so precise, Nehemiah 3. I didn't know this till the other day. It is so exact at Hebrew University when they teach archaeologists 
their art, their craft, their science. When they're studying Jerusalem, they use Nehemiah 3 as their textbook. It is that right on the layout of the city. Let's see if I get any amens. What a book. What a book. That's why these towers are being They built the sheep gate. Oh, oh, the word sheep, T-Z-S-O-N, son. It's a Hebrew word. Here's what it means. To migrate. What in the world does migrate mean? It means you're wandering and you're going and you're traveling from one place to a migratory birds there. You're flying so. I'll get it, preacher. The sheep gate, the sheep means to migrate. See if I get an amen. None of us who is saved, not a one of us, is really at home. You know what we're doing? Hope I get a big end. We're migrating. I'm on my way to a heavenly city. We're marching to Zion tonight. We're pilgrims and we're strangers here, said Simon Peter. Look what I've done. I didn't even know I did it. Now, I went from sheep going in there to be sacrificed. And now I've already said, we're a bunch of sheep. Oh, 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 we're a bunch of sheep. Yeah, we sure got a good shepherd. Amen. The Lord Amen. is our shepherd. That's enough. All right, preacher, that's what it did. That's where the sheep went. What does it mean? What does it imply? In my what lesson of the sheep gate can I can I take and personalize the sheep gate? His name is John the Baptist. He's a preacher. He's a baptizing in the Jordan River. That is, it fell bring forth fruit under repentance. The rest of them he called hypocrites and sent them back. He's a bold little fellow. <laughs> And he looked up one day and somebody crested the hill. John looked and I think he probably quivered a little bit. He'd already leaped in the womb. You know, and he said, Behold, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Oh, we're getting on to something here. You want to know the lesson of the sheep gate? It's got something to do with God's Lamb. It's got something to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got something to do with the cross of Calvary. It's got something to do with how old sinners get born again. Right. Told you I thought. I need to find the sheep gate mentioned in the New Testament if I can. John 5. It's not called the sheep gate. It says, now there was near the sheep market. Market, preacher. They sell those little lambs. There was, a, in the life of Jesus, there was near the sheep market a pool. And, and, and this pool, it says this, an angel went down and disturb the waters. And the first, oh, there's all kinds of sick people laying around that pool, sick and impotent and blind. And he uh, said, when that angel's there, the first one in was made well. That's what my Bible said. First one in. And uh, there's this old fellow, he's lame. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. 
been there 38 years. That's a long time. Nobody helped him in the water for 38, 38 years. And Jesus, by the way, he didn't go to Jesus. Jesus came to him. And Jesus said, What would thou be made whole? And you know what Jesus did by the seat gate, by the seat market that day? He saved his soul from hell. Now, listen to Have y'all been in the seat yet? Do you know from the depths of your heart you've been to the cross of Calvary? Do you know you've got a personal relationship with the Lamb of God that died to save you from a devil's hell? And if you don't know, can I quickly say you can know the Lamb? Yes, sir. The seat That's where it starts. Oh, boy. Yes, that word stuff. You say, I don't want to hear about that feast gate. Forget the feast gate till you've been to the sheep gate. That's right. It all begins in the Calvary. You can't grow a smidgen. You can't grow an inch for Jesus till you've been saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All right, preacher, I see. You're saying, I need to be sure I'm saved. That's where it starts. But not, you see, most everybody here has been saved. There may be one or two that hadn't been, and uh, I'd sure love for you to be saved. But, but, you say, but, but I have been saved. I've been saved for years. Then remember this. Hope I get an amen. You never outgrow your need for the cross of Calvary. It's not a matter of going to the cross, getting saved, and moving on. I don't need it anymore. I'm past that. You'll never come to a place in your Christian life you won't need the old rugged cross. Amen. Can I tell you something a little bit ahead? It's Saturday sermon, so I have to be real careful. <laughs> As we go around the city, Nehemiah starts at the seat gate, goes counterclockwise, and he ends up the only gate mentioned in the chapter twice is the seat gate. Amen. You know why that is? Because a Christian life begins and the Christian life ends at the old cross. Amen. That's right. Amen. I like that seat gate. I like what it represents. One day, I think Galatians 6. Oh, there's some folks that hated Paul. They was trying to destroy his work. And they were mocking him, being a preacher of the grace of God. Some of them were bragging that they worshipped on Saturday, not Sunday. Some of them were bragging they didn't eat any shrimp or pork. You know, they ate like... And some of them were bragging that all these other things. And, and Paul said, I'm not bragging on any of that. Said, God forbid that I should brag. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross. Save in the cross. We don't brag about something. We don't brag about being saved. Amen. That's what it's about. Y'all okay? Yes, I need a few more of you to be okay. <laughs> 29 minutes and 28 seconds. You still okay? Let's go further. Verse 2 next. Under him building the men of Jericho. Next unto him builded the men of Jericho. Oh, I've got to tell you this. The men of Jericho got in on their building. What are they doing now? They were in living in Jerusalem. They live in Jericho. 
as the bird flies, as the crow flies, Jericho is 15 miles from Jerusalem. They walked everywhere they went. But when you count the roads, it's real crooked roads because Jerusalem's up here and Jericho's down here near the Jordan. It's 45 miles to walk that 50. It's 45 miles. They walked 45 miles to get to help rebuild the wall. Down at the city of God. They were willing to go out of their way to help bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm going to say it. It's been proclaimed for years and years and years. Go to the church of your choice. Right. Amen. Uh, here it is. Go to the church and nearest your home. Yeah. I want you to hear me real good. Sure, go the church of your choice might not be the church of God's choice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And the church nearest your home might be a liberal outfit that don't preach the word of God. Yeah. Right. They lived in Jericho, but there wasn't nothing in Jericho that interested them. They said, we're going to Jerusalem. We're going to help the work of God. I'm going to say something about Bacon Baptist Church, and I'm saying it because of the spirit of the service, the warmth of you as a people, the quality of that music, and the kind of preaching that I know you get. <laughs> the difference, something different here, the difference is worth the distance. The difference is worth the distance. I drive wherever I had to drive to get in on this kind. And the Spirit fails my mind. Oh, we're in verse 2. Jericho. Next unto them building Zachar, the son of Imri. Oh, I wish I had time. Each one of those names has a meaning. Jewish names. Zachar means Z A K U R is the Hebrew verb to remember. This little boy's name is Remembrance. Remembrance. I'm going to make an announcement here. I'm afraid there are a whole lot of things we've forgotten as Christians. We ought to be remembered. All that could be. And he's the son of Imri. See it? I M R I. Zachary, the son of Imri. Let me tell you what Imri means. Watch my hand. Talker. <laughs> Y'all aren't getting that at all. I'm not having a hand cramp up here. Talk. Talk. Aren't you glad God uses different kinds of people to get his work done? Yes. Right. Oh, Emmer, he's a talker. He never meets a stranger. All the time. 90 miles away. But he's building the wall. He's loving God. He's serving the Savior. And here's Mr. Remembrance. Zachar, he's quiet. He's reserved. He's over here remembering everything. But he's also building the wall. I'm glad different kind of folks can serve our Savior. Uh, verse 3. But the, oh help me now, but the feast gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams and the doors and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. Look at that, the sons of Hassanah. 
He's like, preacher, did you say that right? I don't know. <laughs> That's enough. That's what it looks like to me. And when you read the chapter, you're going to have that problem. Let me, let me just give you some peace of mind. They ain't around to correct you. <laughs> They're a long time in the grave. They're not going to tell you. You do the best you can read that thing and get on to that next gate and stay in God's Word. Uh, the fish gate. Why do they call it the fish gate? And this is absolutely for sure. Archaeology has dug around the fish gate. I guess it, they don't rot. They have found fish scales galore. They clean those fish. That, the fish that came in from the Mediterranean. Here's a fish cake. Mediterranean be back that way. The Galilee is down that way. That fish, that's where they brought the fish, the daily catch of the day, into them. And the Jews ate a lot of fish. The fish cake. Now we know where it is and we know what it's called the fish cake. What I'm interested in for a few minutes, what does the fish cake mean in my life? How do I apply the fish gate in consistent Christian life? Watch. I think it's <clears throat> Seat gate. It's getting saved. Then right after that, fish gate. What, what in the world could it mean? Listen to me. As soon as you got saved, as soon as you got saved, what was one of the first things you wanted to do? Say it again. You get saved, you can't wait to tell somebody what happened to you. Something happened to me today, you won't believe. I believe I've been born again. Some of them are skeptics, they'll say, I'll give him six weeks. Six months at the most. It won't last. That's 30 years ago. Hallelujah. Amen. getting saved. Peace gate. Telling other people about Jesus. That's right. If that doesn't make no sense. How in the world do you come up with fish gate? It says telling other people about Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 19. Jesus said, follow me. I'll wear a head of me. And I'll make you to become fishers of men. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing the fish gate. But did you know that a lot of our Baptist churches that have quit fishing, they haven't been fishing in a long time. There's a young man here tonight working down the road of peace. He's a member of a church where I have the honor of going occasionally up in Abbeville. And uh, Brother Robbie Burton is his pastor. Amen. One of the most unique pastors I've ever known. Yes, sir. He's got, y'all ever heard of a trot line fishing trot? Yeah. <coughs> got a bunch of hooks in there. Steve, I remember Daddy setting up them trot lines. He'd go out and check it in the morning. Ain't no telling what you'll catch. Robbie Burton's a trot line fisherman. He's got a hook out to get dope eggs. He's got a hook out to get drunkards. He's got a hook out to get little wayward kids. He's got a hook out for... I'll tell you what, that boy is perfected. Give me an amen. He's become a fisher of men. Amen. 
Oh, I wish I had more time to talk about this. Listen to me. Do you know somebody that's lost that sort of question asked, question answered? Of course you know somebody that's lost. So do I. Do we care? Sometimes I wonder. The fish gate says, God make me burdened about my loved one, about my neighbor, about my friend who's lost and going to hell. And Lord, let me do something to tell him about Jesus. Let me do something to witness to him. I need an amen. Let me do something to help bring him to Jesus. Amen. amen. I'll get in trouble here. There is a doctrine that is taking America by storm. Yeah, come on. I don't have time to go into it. Preacher, can I stand up here? I need to. <laughs> but this crowd is now telling us Jesus didn't die for everybody. Right. They're saying before he created the world, he decided who could be saved and who would go to hell. Say it again. Yes, sir, son. I want to make an announcement. Jesus did die for everybody. That business that God chose one to be saved and God chose another one to kick into hell. That might be their God, but that's not my God. That's not the God of the Bible. And we're all saying amen. And we ought to be saying amen. I say don't go amen. But then why in the world aren't we out there telling people about Jesus? I'm preaching to myself. You say, what more do you want me to do about it? Get you a handful of tracks. Tomorrow, leave one in the bathroom at work. Next time you eat out, if you leave a tip, if you're a cheapskate, don't leave a tip, don't leave no track. But if you leave a good tip, leave a track and tell somebody about Jesus. And that gospel track. And, and, uh, and uh, I'm telling you what, we could be all, we could live at the feast gate a whole lot more than we serve. Y'all see how this is going to go? One gate after another after another. Have I got time to get in the old gate? I'm at 40 minutes and 45 seconds. Are y'all okay? I'll make a deal with you. And I mean it. And preacher can change it. You've got to get up at three or four and you need to go. I'll understand. I'll not bless you out or say something ugly about you, but if you need to do that, you have to yourself. Preacher said he came to get in. Amen. I like that. If you don't stay with, I'll, I'll just I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make a deal with you. 41 minutes and 19 seconds. If you give me. 15 more minutes. I don't think I'll need that long. If you'll give me 15 more minutes. Oh, some of you are smiling. <laughs> Talk about that old game. That guy was scaring me. Richard, read to us about the old gate. It's way down in verse 6. I, I'd love to. Oh, Look at verse 5. 
next unto them. It says one work crew and next unto them and next to them. The Tekoites repaired. Those are people from a town called Tekoa. T-E-K-O-A. Tekoa. That's the hometown of Amos. Amen. The prophet. Yes, sir. Good stock down there, I reckon. Amos, the prophet. And, and uh, verse uh, next unto them repaired the Tekoites, or the Tekoites repaired. But, look, their nobles put not their names to the work of the Lord. This is the only negative line in the whole chapter. Everybody's working. Everybody's busy. But the nobles, the big shots, down at Tacoma, they wouldn't do a thing. Put not their mess to the work. I'm going to say this and we're going on to our old gate verse. God noticed the workers and he noticed the shirkers. God knows it. If you're busy loving him and serving him, and he also knows it if you're lazy and the poor. Boy, that ain't much of a name, man. In our lives. Alright, let's get it from the verse 6. Moreover, the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Hesiah, Mishalem, the son of Bosadiah. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors and the locks and the, the old gate. The old gate. I'll talk real fast if you'll just let me know you will. Now we're going counterclockwise. The old gate. Now I'm going to make an announcement. This business of getting saved, it's real. Right. This business of telling sinners about Jesus and the Holy Ghost getting a hold of them and bringing them in, it's real too. Amen. 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 Yes. There are two things tonight I'm sure of. My two sisters and brother are here tonight. Amen. Lisa and Bonnie and my brother Steve. They live in the Columbia area. And family. Family. Steve's two daughters, and then Chuck and Stephanie's kids, and Melissa's I can hear my daddy right now giving me a lecture about this old gate. We were going to a church which I guess might ought to remain nameless. <laughs> Daddy was superintendent of Sunday school. It was a title, but he sort of under his pastor. They began to bring in some literature. My daddy came home one Sunday fit to be tied. He wouldn't hug me to nobody. And my daddy said, somebody might get upset with me. I don't know. I'm going to run the risk. Go ahead, brother. There was a new version. Uh-oh. No, sir. It wasn't, listen to me, 
KJV. Steve, you may remember. Steve's four years younger than me. He don't look it, but he's <laughs> He sure does look it, too. Daddy went and talked to the men of the church. And they said, no, we're just going to go with it. We won't trouble the waters. That was our last Sunday there. Daddy pulled us out. Yes, sir, brother. Found a little church up the road that stood on the word. I'll never forget my daddy taking that stand. What does the old gate represent? I'll tell you what it represents. Will I get an amen? Doing things the old-fashioned way. Amen, Lord. The old-fashioned way. I don't have time to... Oh, 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 see, I... I, I <laughs> Why do they call it the old gate? I can't find anybody that knows. Preacher, I've looked at the commentaries. I said, and they say, well, no, we know about the sheep gate. We know about the fish gate. And, and the valley gate tomorrow. Well, they know why it's that. And the dung gate, they sure know why it's that. But they don't know why it's the old gate. I learned something, though. As the years went by and as Jerusalem grew, it grew this way. Y'all see how my art man. It grew this way. Which means, don't need a smile. The old gate led to the new city. The old gate led to the new city. That's enough for me right there. I just made God said to Jeremiah, seek ye the old paths. Seek ye the old paths. Hey, y'all know what's going on. Let me preach the old gate just a little bit and I'll be done. And I'm watching the timer. Uh, there is going on in America right now. Their time. An undermining of the blood, the doctrine of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And they're so sneaky. Here's what they're saying. Some brilliant men that don't know better. They're saying, it's not really the blood that saves. It's the death of Jesus that saves. Quit talking about the blood. It's His death that saves. Now that might sound real innocent. But I'm here to tell you tonight, that is a deadly doctrine. Yes, sir. Right. Boy, I like the way y'all say amen. It is the blood. It is the blood. It is the blood. It is the blood. Y'all listen. you got some men that know the Bible. Y'all listen to me. I do not have a single verse of Scripture that says if they had stoned him to death, I could be saved. Now, if you can prove otherwise, I'll listen. But I don't have a verse. Said if they stoned him. I don't have a verse that says, Had they suffocated, choked him to death. I don't have a verse that says, If they had shot him with arrows and he died. He could be but I've got me a better than a dozen verses. Right. Say if he's pierced and if his blood, he's, he's, 
I've got verses that say, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Oh, Father Bible, you're pushing it a little too far. That's a little too old foggy. No, no, it's not old foggy. That's old gate business. Thank God I've been washed in the blood of the Lord. Yes, sir. Are y'all with me? Yes, sir. Amen. I think he had special blood. I think he had sinless blood. Yeah. I think he had eternal blood. Peter said, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood. The blood of Jesus is incorruptible. Reading some smart aleck the other day. And he said he believed that Jesus' blood just oozed out of his body, seeped into the ground, and, and, and decomposed. No. 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 It did not decompose. It is undecomposed. It cannot decay. It cannot rot. I'm here to take the blood of Jesus is somewhere tonight. I don't speak in suspicion. It's at the right hand of God. Jesus sprinkled it on the horse's seat. Hey, that's all gate stuff, but I'm having a time telling you about it. I just want to say this. I got to close because I believe in that old fashioned worship. I like it when we say amen. I like it when they add the old. I like it when we study the Word of God. That's what God's continuing to build here. Bacon Baptist Church, an old fashioned. Let's put it all together. An old fashioned preaching Jesus. Getting souls saved, standing on the old time fundamentals of the faith. Hallelujah. Now I've got to quit. I don't want to, but I've got to. Time's up. Tomorrow night, the Lord willing, we're going to take right up Valley Gate, Dung Gate, and Fountain Gate. If you can help it. Don't miss tomorrow night. I realize work and other things, but I want you to hear it. I've enjoyed these three. But then next three are powerful. I mean, absolutely astounding. Then God will and Saturday morning will finish. And all God's people say Amen. I'm doing something, preacher, with your permission. I got me a picture frame. It came from Walmart. Four dollars and forty exits. And it says Nehemiah three. And it says times we've read it. And then it's got a bunch of question marks. Because I don't know how many times we've read it. But if the preacher will let me. Before we go home, we're going to kill. I got five myself. How many times we read it? And I'm going to put it in that frame.
Then, God willing, we're going to read it some more tomorrow. Amen. And count tomorrow night and read it some more for Saturday in town. We're going to see how many times as a group we can read that. Why in the world would you do that? I'm going to answer that. To get God's Word in our hearts. Amen. Amen. To try to learn these gates so I can leave here and in my mind go through and give myself a test. Amen. On these ten, one of the most balanced chapters in the Bible that I'm aware of. On mature. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh,